72. And your mark, get set, space! Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is an episode I've enjoyed getting ready for. I've been playing a Race for the Galaxy, today's game. Um, I participated in a Solitaire Games Around the World idea cooked up by Sean Baldwin uh, of the One Player Guild. Basically, the idea is he bought Race for the Galaxy with the solo expansion. Um, oh, I forgot the name of that one offhand. But he bought that, and then everybody signed up, and he, it's going from one person to the next. Everybody gets to play it and pass it on until it gets back to him at the end. I was very lucky. I was the second person to play it. Sean sent it to me because I live closest, and I am ready to send it off to the next person. And so I thought I'd tell you about this game and why I have my chance. Actually, I used to own it. I traded it away a while ago, and I'm glad to play it again. And I'll tell you more about why I traded it away, because um, I think it was a little bit interesting. First up, the news. I have a few items. I guess uh, coming up with the idea for uh, a news desk actually made a difference. First up, Tiny Epic Galaxies is on Kickstarter. It's actually really interesting. This is uh, currently supporting 1-5 to five players. A, about a week ago, there was a. The designer wanted to decide whether he was going to add the one player option or the five player option, so he made a vote on BGG, and whichever got the most when he hit the stretch goal would be the one he added. Um, it was very interesting, very close race, neck and neck literally, until it ended, in which Solitaire Play won by like three votes, um, maybe six. Um, so that option got added. Since then, the game has gotten another $50,000, and now 5-player option has also been added. So check that out, that's Tiny Epic Galaxies on Kickstarter. Um, next item, the Thunderbirds Co-op Game by Matt Leacock is about to get kickstarted soon. I got an email about that one, so keep an eye out on Kickstarter for that. I don't have a link for that yet. The third item, again Kickstarter, Spirits of the Rise Patty by, I believe, Ape Games is now on Kickstarter. I, that's a game that I've been looking forward to for a while. It looks really neat, looks really nice. It's a worker placement game. Um, and that supports one, I believe, one through four players. The next item, Sierra Madre Games announced a prequel to Greenland. Greenland is a one through three player game that they released just last year. I believe the prequel is called Neanderthal, and I believe it'll be ready around October of this year, so that's probably right around Essen. Um, it's interesting because from the description, it sounds like you could actually play Neanderthal, and when you reach the end, you can then start Greenland from where you left off, and and continue the same game or same story. Maybe I'm not sure if that's just a, a thematic idea, or there's actually some rules in that it makes it a campaign game, where your your the way you finish one game affects how you start the next one. The next item, Sentinels of the Multiverse, from Greater Than Games, they just announced yet another expansion. The, the last expansion, Wrath of the Cosmos, just came out this month, and already they've announced another expansion. They'll be, they'll be taking pre-orders starting Monday, January 19th. This one is called Villains of the Multiverse, and it brings 10 different villains, no heroes, and two settings. And these villains are sort of the style of vengeance in which you play multiple villains at once. Um, a, a team of villains against a team of heroes, or maybe I should say a team of heroes against a team of villains. So if you're playing three heroes, you pick three villains from those ten, and it'll be backward compatible. It'll it'll be backward compatible with 
with a vengeance so that you could actually add those five heroes from this. So you have 15 heroes you can mix and match with. I'm sorry, 15 villains you can mix and match with. When they do their pre-orders, backers tend to get a few extra goodies such as a standalone decks of uh, heroes or locations or villains. So check that out, definitely. Another item is a there's going to be an English release by Real Grande Games of Bohanza Princess and Pirate. This is actually a, a, a U.S. printing or an English printing of a game that has of a couple Bohanza expansions that have existed for a while. One is Bon Rosen, which supports Altair, and I don't remember which one the other one is exactly. I don't think the other one supports it. I've played Bon Bon. bon I'm sorry. I've played Bon Rosen. It's interesting. You actually have certain goals you have to accomplish in the game. There's a set of cards that have different goals and you lay them out in order and the goals might be like sell three bean fields um sell field five beans whatever each of these are different goals as you accomplish a goal you flip that goal card and now you have to do the next one in line and the goal is to make it through the whole game and finish all the goals at least that's the way the solitaire game works as i remember it's actually been a couple years since i played it actually i talked about this one before when i talked about uh probably low yang when i talked about uwe rosenberg Another item of news that I hadn't written down, but this is sort of late-breaking. Again, on Kickstarter, the Ragnar Brothers have a game currently called DR Congo. The Democratic Republic of Congo is what DR stands for. I kept thinking it was Doctor. It turns out it's Democratic Republic. This is a, I believe it's one two to four player game, and they just announced they're going to have solo rules. Um, the designer, when he works on the games, apparently he plays it solo a lot to test it, and often comes up with some sort of rules for that. And... Because somebody requested solo play, he's going to go ahead and add him. He's, it looks like he's still playing the game and tweaking those rules. Um, he seems pretty happy with them. So I'll include a link for that. You can check it out. And that's it for the news. Just all that stuff. Another interesting ongoing, which is not specifically news related, but you know, worth checking out is after the, the whole experience with Tiny Epic Galaxies with all the solitaire backers and all that, I think a lot of people were surprised by it, especially the ones that don't play solitaire games particularly them, and uh, then Morden Monrad Peterson um, from the One Player Guild, who also the designer of the Viticulture expansion. He designed the Tux, Tuscany expansion. I'm not sure if he designed the whole expansion or just the solitaire play, but I think he might have just done the solitaire part, which um, he developed an automata for, which is basically like a robot that controls the way your opponent would interact with you. He, it doesn't control an actual opponent, but it will affect you the way an opponent would affect you. The idea of giving you a challenge, much like the regular multiplayer game. So he, anyway, he wrote an article and posted it on the website of Stonemeyer Games, the publishers of Viticulture in Tuscany, um, talking about solitaire play and how actually including solitaire rules can have an impact on your on your success as a publisher. Um, and included some statistics such as the number of members in the one-player guild, which is getting close to 2,000, very close. Um, mentioning the recent experience of Tiny Epic Galaxies and some other statistics, statistics all very interesting. Um, so there's been some discussion around that. The, the designers from Ragnar Brothers came to the one-player guild looking to talk about his game, so that, that was another surprise. And all this, all of a sudden, just a lot of interest in solitaire play. And then today, I think it was today, Kurt R., also from the One Player Guild, has posted a blog post talking about solitaire gaming and the trends he's seen and the increase in, in solitaire gaming and other trends. All these very interesting. All of a sudden, just seems to be solitaire gaming is just 
buzzing with excitement. So if you aren't in the one-player guild, come join it. I don't know where you're not. There's a lot of excitement going on there all the time, a lot of fun. Definitely worth visiting. Okay, the segment I had planned for today, I was going to go ahead and look forward to the coming year. I, I like to do that every year at the end of the year, look back at the previous year and look forward. Um, actually, let me look back first. I don't have a lot, but I just had to look back at the games I've played this past year and, and see the highlights in, in the op- episode the highlights also, I guess. Um, so I've got seven games I wanted to mention that I, I really, I think I, I enjoyed a lot more than I expected. I got more out of them than I expected to. Number one is Snowdonia. Um, that game turned out to be a lot of fun. I played it earlier this year and it kind of fell flat for me and I didn't give it a chance for many months and I finally decided to try it and, and stick with it. And boy, it was a lot of fun. It's been a lot more fun than I expected it to be. And it's just a, a really neat game. So I was very happy with that. And it was also a very nice way to end the year because that was the, I played that a lot around the Christmas holidays and just, just had a great time hanging out at home and getting to play that a whole bunch every night almost. The next item is Sentinels of the Multiverse. This is not a new game, and I'd played it in the past, but I just played a bunch more this year, especially because of the the challenges on the one-player guild, and have had a lot of fun with that game. And I just like that game because there's so much variety with all the different heroes and villains and locations you could have. That every single game plays differently and feels differently, and it's just just fun. Okay, another game would be the Star Wars RPG that I played recently. I had a lot of fun with that. And that was playing it using um, the Covetous Port Adventure Creator system. And I, I just had a whole lot of fun playing that. I kept I wanted to use that RPG system, the Covetous Port, and I was trying to find an RPG to play it with and just getting nowhere. And I finally said, ooh, let me try Star Wars, just because it looked like it was easy to get into using the beginner's kit. And that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the game. For years, I've always wanted to find a role-playing game that that basically was a, a trader or a smuggler, kind of thinking like, astronovice merchant or free trader sort of feel to it or if you think in video games how about wing commander privateer that was a game that was again the same sort of thing so you know i tried different games i remember i had the old star wars i played a little bit but that never stuck the one from west end games i had bought the traveler t20 system some years ago and read through that and eh, i don't know it's okay it probably would have worked but the setting i was just unfamiliar and it just for whatever reason never really grabbed me I think some of it, honestly, was the art in the book was just unexciting for me. So I just never tried that much. Um, also, it's T20, which is basically just D20, but they changed the D to T for Traveler. And I don't know, lately I've been finding it harder to get into the D20 system. I've played tons of D&D in my time and loved it, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking for something different all the time. Um, what else did I get? I got Star Trek RPG at one point. I bought that. I read through the books and really enjoyed it. I love Star Trek show, but Star Trek isn't really about, uh, at least not the RPG, it's not really about playing uh, smugglers or traders. It's really about playing Starfleet crew, which is interesting in its own way, but again, not what I was looking for. I bought Rogue Trader, which sounds like you're some sort of, you know, roguish trader, but really what it is, it's more like a, a dark, twisted Star Trek thing where you're you're commanding a starship. So again, it's not quite what I wanted. Um, it looks great, but but that's not it. And so so I tried Star Trek RPG, and it was great. I mean, the theme is very familiar. Everybody knows Star Trek. I do. And it was easy to come up with a smuggler thing, because, I mean, it's basically just playing hand Solo. And this game I played, which is a Edge of the Empire, is basically being smuggler, trader, that sort of thing. So that was a whole lot of fun. 
Number four, another RPG item was using Rory Story Cubes just to, to make my own little adventure. I had a lot of fun with that. I really have enjoyed using Rory Story Cubes. It, it's just so easy to come up with a story. I've also used them a few times just to, to write my own piece of semi-creative fiction. Um, in a sort of RPG-ish kind of way where I, I said, I'd like to play through some adventure with this theme. I think I did a, a ghost one time. And then I just started rolling dice and telling my stories I went along, and that, that's been a lot of fun. They're just a really neat little tool. Number five, Nations. Um, played this one much earlier in the year, actually, and had, again, that's a game I had a lot of fun with. I was surprised how much fun it was. The, the solitaire game works out really well, and every time you play it, it's a little bit different because the, the mix, there's so many cards. I think there's about 200 cards, if I remember right, and in any given game, you use something like maybe 60 or so so you you just won't see a lot of them in any given game it just adds a lot of variety and it makes it very interesting very fun number six is a spoiled victory dunkirk by herman lutman and paul fish again this is a game i had a lot of fun with when i played it it was sort of but not really like a states of siege game on steroids in that the enemies are kind of only moving up and f back and forth in a straight line but you could go everywhere um that really ends uh, the resemblance. It was just a, it's a really fun game, really neat system, a lot of tension, and it plays relatively fast. An interesting theme. And the seventh item I wrote down was Robinson Crusoe, which I actually might have played. No, I played it this year, yeah. Um, again, that was just a really great game, very involved, a lot of complexity to it, very thematic, even though I know a recent episode I said it wasn't very thematic. Because um, it just depends what day of the week it is. But that was a, a fun experience to play, definitely. A very interesting, very complex game with a lot of choices to make. And and one of my favorite things is I got to explore, and I just like games where you explore and discover stuff. Unfortunately, that's very limited in board games because board games, once you've played it a few times, you're very familiar with it. There's very much, very little actual discovery within the game. So that, that was my look back. Those are the games I enjoyed a lot this year. The, the biggest hits, biggest surprises. Um, I was going to tell you also my favorite interviews on the podcast for this year, but you know, honestly here, I, I've enjoyed every interview a whole lot. Um, I, I don't think I can or want to pick a favorite. I've just enjoyed them all. Everybody I've talked to has been very intelligent and very knowledgeable on their subject and just a lot of fun to talk to. You know, I think I've said this before, but when I do an interview, the person I talk to is always so intelligent. They come off so intelligent. I think I must sound intelligent just by being near them. So I enjoy that. I appreciate that. So, so yeah, I, all the interviews have been great. Definitely worth going back and checking them out. I, I probably should do more interviews because I really have enjoyed them and they do seem to be very interesting, come out well. So if anybody has any suggestions for who I should talk to, let me know and I will I will give it a try. Um, Looking forward. I haven't really taken any notes on looking forward, so I'm just going to wing it here. The, the first game definitely that comes to mind is Hostage Negotiator. I've been looking forward to that for over a year now, I think for, for maybe two years. So I'm very excited that it's finally nearly in my hands. And um, AJ Porfirio, the designer, just posted a video of unboxing his prototype copy, and it just looked fantastic. It's great. So I can't... I, I already said I can't wait to get it. Looking forward to really to playing that again with nice, fancy uh, linen finished cards and everything. Uh, What else am I looking forward to... Cactus Air Force by GMT. I don't know a lot about it, but that looks that looks interesting. And GMT just seems to make some really cool, complex 
solitaire games when they make them. They haven't made many in the past, but they seem to have been making a few again lately, which is nice. Um, Nations of Dice game, I don't know when they'll be out. Hopefully soon. I, maybe it's out already, I just haven't seen it. But I enjoyed Nations a lot, so I'd love to try the dice game if I get the chance. And the next games by Shady Torby and his uh, Oniverse, I would love to... Oh, I can't wait till those come out. Either one, any of them, all of them. The the first two, Onirum and Equilibrium, have both just been great games. I don't offhand, I can't think of anything else, but maybe that's enough. There, there's already so many games coming all the time, and it just sometimes with short notice, it's no point in uh, planning what I might try and get if it ever shows up or not show up. There's already so many games out now that I haven't played, and including a bunch that I have that I'd like to play and talk about on the show, that there isn't a whole lot of need to look for these days. Um, Maybe it's a cop-out. I don't know. So there we go. So let's jump forward to the interview. Today's game is Race for the Galaxy by Tom Lehman, or maybe more appropriately, it's Race for the Galaxy The Gathering Storm Expansion by Tom Lehman, because that added solitaire play to the game Race for the Galaxy. Race for the Galaxy came out in 2007, Race for the Galaxy The Gathering Storm came out in 2008. So if you're not familiar with Race for the Galaxy, you've never played it, this is a hand management game in which you're trying to build a galactic civilization better and faster than your opponents. Basically each turn you're going to pick an action card to play, there's five or six different action cards you can pick from, so it's five or six different actions. And everybody picks one and then reveals at the same time, and then all the players take every action that was chosen on the turn on the phase of the game where your chosen action comes up, you because you chose it, you get to do a little more than the other people that didn't choose that action. The types of actions real quickly are draw cards, play development cards, which I guess are you can think of as technological technological developments that enhance your race. Um, you could play a, ga- a planet card. You could basically conquer or take over or develop a planet. Um, the next two, the rest of the actions deal with uh, commerce. One, if you have a resource, you could spend the resource either for more cards for your hand or victory points. And the last one lets you place resources on your planets that could take resources. Um, I haven't given you much detail about any of that, but maybe that's okay. But that, that's basically the, the game. What really makes this game a lot of fun, generally speaking, not just solitaire, but in general, including the multiplayer game, is the hand management, I think. When you play the game, you start with the four cards, and you start with one world on the board. Every world is a little bit different and gives you different abilities. Um, and you have four cards in your hand. Whenever you're going to do anything like build a planet or or development, each card has a cost. You're going to pay that cost from other cards in your hand. So it becomes a tough choice of which of the cards you want to play and which of the other cards you have are you willing to give up to to play that card. It is a game that definitely the more familiar you are with it, the better you will do. Um, because a, a more experienced person knows what cards are valuable, what card of combinations go well together, what cards are, or what playstyle is good based on the starting world you have and the starting cards you have. Um, and all that you learn from experience. I will say I've played about 30, 35 games of Race for the Galaxy now, and I still lose most of the time. This game also brings a lot of cards. Uh, I don't know exactly. Let's see. Race for the Galaxy brings about 100 cards. 
Um, the Gathering Storm probably adds another 30 to 50. Not sure exactly how many. So, it, so it's a lot of cards. It's a fair number of cards, especially if you're playing Solitaire. You don't always go through the whole deck. A lot of times you do. And you don't always see all the cards. Um, when you have a card in your hand, you play it. If you spend it, if you pl well, if you play a card and use another three to pay for that one, those three you discard go face down, so nobody else sees what else you've played. Nor with the robots, I guess. Um, and when you get resources, when a planet has resources to sell, trade goods, you take a card from the deck and you play it face down under your planet. So you never see what the resource card would have been otherwise, nor does anybody else. Because once you use it, you play it, you discard it, and again, it's face down. So there's a lot of cards that you don't know what what's available, what isn't available, and that's just going to add to the replayability. That's it. Raise with the Galaxy is a very fun game. Now, with the expansion, the Gathering Storm does, it, it, it brought some things for multiplayer games, different ways to get victory points and all the extra cards, um, which added two factions fighting against each other as a, as a backstory. The, it also added solitaire play via a robot. And the, and so it's actually a lot of the components of the solitaire play. It brings a solitaire board. It brings two dice just for the solitaire play and a bunch of markers that you use for solitaire play. So when you're going to play the gathering storm, you're going to actually start like normal. You're going to draw a random starting world for yourself. You're also going to draw a random starting world for the AI or for the robot. Once you've drawn that world for the robot, you look in the back of the player mat and it'll tell you which, which chits to put on the board and you, you find these chits you flip the board over and now the board actually and I probably didn't explain this very well, I haven't explained this yet but the player mat has a section for each of the different actions you could choose from that the, and it explains what the robot will do for each of those actions um, it's, it's a nice little chart basically the robot is going to decide his action pretty much by rolling dice it's going to be random but then and that guy's going to tell him which action the robot does. He's going to tell you which action the robot does. And then you'll look in the chart and see how he plays that action out. Now, you're going to modify this board based on the starting world. When I said you do those chits, these you place these then on the board as overlays over the different sections. So, for example, if one world is a military world, you will cover the, the world building section with one where he looks for just military worlds. I'm not going to get into the detail of what military worlds are, but they're different from regular worlds. The way you, you pay for them is different. You don't pay for them with cards. Um, it's a very entirely different strategy. Or it's a very, yeah, it's a different and very specific type of strategy. So, so the robot you're playing is tailored to what he has as a starting world. It'll affect what kind of cards he has and, and how he gets victory points even. On each turn, you're going to pick two actions that you want to do. You'll mark them on the board, on the mat, and then you will roll the two dice for the robot and see what actions he takes. A lot of times he will copy your actions, but not necessarily. It might be somewhere else. Um, and then everybody will take their actions, the player first, then the robot. For the actions you chose, you get to do the extra abilities for it. For the ones he chose and you didn't, you get to do just the basic ability for him. Same for the robot. He'll do the same sort of things. And you just keep playing this way. You you do each turn, you you play out the four actions, and then the next one starts and you pick the four actions. And it didn't like I said, I kinda mentioned the four actions, I haven't explained the difference. The when you choose an action, it's gonna be better than if somebody else chose and you just get to do it um by default. The for example, when when you play the, the first action is to draw cards. And there's two different ways you could do that. You could play a card that lets you draw an extra five, 
or you're going to play a card that lets you draw an extra one and then take an extra one. The people that don't play a card, what they get to do normally is, or the basic draw cards action is, take two cards from the deck, pick one, and discard the other. If you chose the action, you either have the option of taking an extra five, so you have six in your hand, and you get to pick one. That gives you a lot better choice, and if you're looking for specific types of cards, this is great because you have more likelihood of finding it. Or the other choice was take two, take an extra card and keep an extra card. So now you do three, but you're going to keep two. Um, so it's not as much variety in your choice, but a lot more cards in your hand, which are handy for, for buying stuff, for building planets and developments. So yeah, again, the person that took the action gets either to look at a lot more cards or gets to keep an extra card. The person that didn't just gets to, to look at a couple cards and keep one. This is a very fun game. I already mentioned that. The robot implementation is great. He really does have different strategies depending on his start world. And he implements them well. And he seems to do it very consistently. And the score is very consistent. But because you're rolling dice, it doesn't always play out the same. Um, there's a few different ways to get victory points. And sometimes he he will have victory points from a lot of cards. Sometimes he might have victory points from getting a lot of, from selling a lot of trade goods and so it makes the game very tactical i mean you, you do have an overall strategy but you have to choose what to do based on the cards you have you know that's what your your limits are is your cards so the game becomes very tactical and and very challenging the robot plays really well and there's three levels of difficulty which is it's very basic either the robot starts with the potential of getting one two or three six point victory chips you decide how many you want to give him a potential of having. An easy game, he has a maximum of one he could get. A hardest game, he could get up to six. As you play, he might earn them, during the, especially during the development phase. And that's to simulate some powerful six-point victory, well, some powerful cards you might get. And to balance some things out because he is kind of random. I don't think his game feels very random when you're playing the opponent. Because you modify the board based on his starting world, it does seem like he follows a consistent strategy, and that makes the game really interesting. And it has a ton of replayability. I haven't played this game at this point 29 times solo, and every game is really fast. It probably takes half an hour, maybe 45 minutes, but it's always a lot of fun. Now, I did mention I used to own the game and got rid of it. Uh, I'll tell you why that happened. I used to play it a lot, and I played it, I don't know, for for a month or so, I played it maybe 20 times. And it was just a lot of fun. And then I went and tried an online version called, I think it's called Keldon's AI or something like that. And it's available on the PC. It might be available other places. I don't know. But you're basically playing a multiplayer game against an AI. And and the AI is actually playing like a player, buying cards and building cards and managing his hand. The solo game, it doesn't go into as much detail. It doesn't actually manage its hand. What cards it picks up are entirely really, in a way, irrelevant. Um, because they won't choose best cards, it just chooses what's up. But anyway, the computer AI was just really good, and the game was really fun, and I played a ton of the computer, and in a way, I got burned out from, from playing the physical game from that. It, it was such a good implementation, and and so much fun, that after all, I just stopped playing the physical game. So eventually, I got rid of it, and I said, you know, I haven't played this in a couple of years. I'll just sell it to somebody and move on. Having gotten to play it again now, because being in the Solitaire Game Around the World uh, event, I have had a lot of fun, and I'm sure glad I got the opportunity to play it again. It is a fun game. It's a few years old. It 
this point, but it, I, mean, I think it has held very well. Now this game does have one major drawback, which is it has a, a steep learning curve. And the reason for that is that all the cards use iconography to describe what they do in the game. Um, it's not very complicated iconography, but it takes a little while to learn it. The first few games are very slow, and you spend a lot of time referring to the chart and the rulebook to figure it out. After two or three plays, it's all really intuitive and really easy. But it can definitely be frustrating at first. So yeah, that's a, it's a really fun game. I, I highly recommend it. Now I have played it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and box it up again and send it on to the next person. I will probably be mailing it Tuesday. Monday is a, a holiday here in the U.S. It's Martin Luther King Day. Alright, I think that's all I have for this game. Check it out. Definitely, if you want it for solo play, you need the base game plus the expansion. There are other expansions. I didn't mention that. I have never tried them at all. I don't know what they're like. I don't know how well they work or don't work with the solitaire game. My guess is that they're bringing starting worlds. They probably you probably couldn't really use the starting worlds with the with the solitaire robot because it's those it's geared to specific starting worlds in the first two games. Um, also, if there's different types of cards. It may not be able to. I may not be able to handle. I don't think that's an issue. I think really the main issue is probably the starting worlds. So you'd have to check that out on your own. I I don't know. All right, that is all. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on Board Game Geek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail dot com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on Board Game Geek. Or come visit the One Player Guild on Board Game Geek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening. <laughs>